there is no need for Buddhism. Judaism actually has all the things that are virtuous and beneficial in Buddhism. Buddhism is a wonderful tradition and has many, many beneficial things in it. But it's not as if Judaism lacks those very same things. The thing about those things in Judaism is that they have been hidden in plain sight. Hi, everybody. This is Rabbi Ariel Scholklapper from the Jewish Mindfulness Center of Texas, jmctx.org. You're about to listen to clips from a Q&A with Jewish Zen master Norman Fisher answering questions about how to apply spiritual practice, mindfulness, meditation practice during this time for a variety of different things. Enjoy the listening, and if you love it, share it, and subscribe for more, jmctx.org. Here's a clip on the intersection between Judaism and Buddhism in the words of a master, Jewish Zen master, Norman Fisher. So here's another question here um, from Jessica Zoller. She says, I'm really interested in the intersection between Judaism and Buddhism. Could you speak to that from your experience? Thank you. To give you one of these two, it's a, you know. Well, uh, <clears throat> I'll tell you a little story about uh, Makor Or. Uh, Rabbi Lou and I, um, before we, we founded Makor Or together in 2000, actually it was New Year's Eve, 1999, 2000, was the opening of Makor Or. But for about eight or nine years before that, we were doing um, Jewish meditation events. Uh, and the way we did them was we, we called it uh, translating Judaism, translating Buddhism. And we would do uh, the kind of simple meditation that we did at the beginning here, just sitting and breathing and being present. We would do that meditation and then he would give a talk referencing Jewish texts, and I would give a talk referencing Buddhist texts, and then we would have a lot of conversation and dialogue. And we had a lot of people who were really interested in doing this, huge numbers of people. But what we didn't realize was that we were actually issuing an invitation to Jewish people who were really mad at Judaism and had taken to practicing Buddhism for decades. And in their Buddhist practice centers, they were happily meditating, but they had a lot of questions and doubts and things to say about Judaism, which couldn't be said in a Buddhist practice center because who would be interested in that in the Buddhist practice center? So we didn't realize it, but we were issuing an invitation for them to come and complain about Judaism. So they came to these retreats and, uh, they would come and you know express a tremendous amount of you know bitterness and angst about Judaism because uh, you know nobody is more bitter and anguished about Judaism than Jews. You know, for all the anti-Semites in the world, you know they're nothing compared to the anguish that Jews have about Judaism. Because you know the poor Jews about, who have anguish about Judaism, they can't get rid of it. The anti-Semites can think about something else when they're 
not hating the Jews, you know, but the poor Jews are stuck with themselves forever, you know. So, and they couldn't do anything about it. And here we were saying, come on, come on, you know, tell us about it. And so they would come and they would, it was really amazing. And, you know, I was thinking to myself, this is great, you know, because these poor people, all this time, they haven't had a chance to talk about this and we're giving them a chance to talk about it. And it's, and it's really good for them. And it's, we're really doing a public service here. And poor Rabbi Lou, he didn't feel that way because I, I didn't feel the compulsion to defend the faith. You know, I said, okay, you can complain all you want. It's okay, you know. He felt like he had to defend against these complaints. And he used to get exhausted at the end of these retreats. And I never took him seriously. I thought, you know, he would say, oh, that was hard. And I said, yeah, but, you know, not so bad. Well, after a while, he said, I have to quit. I can't do this anymore. I said, why? And he said, this really gets to me. It's really, it's really, it's going to, it's killing me off. So we actually stopped doing it. We stopped doing any practice. And then uh, about a year later, he said, let's start again. I said, okay, but what are we going to do about this painful thing that's happening? He said, well, I know what we're going to do. We won't have Buddhism anymore. We'll only have Judaism. And that way we're not inviting all the Jews who are practicing Buddhism, who hate Judaism, who want to complain. They won't come. They'll only come if they're Jews who feel decent about Judaism. That's the only way they'll come. I said, that's a brilliant idea. You're right. That'll solve the problem immediately. I said, but I don't know that much about Judaism, really. You know, I mean, I just grew up in it. But, you know, like all Jews who grew up in it, we're all ignoramuses unless we, you know, make a study of it. He said, so I said, you can, you can give all the talks and I'll just be there and meditating, you know. And he said, no, no, you also have to give talks about Judaism. I said, but how can I do that? I don't know anything. He said, that's okay, you can study. And so I said, well, that's a brilliant idea. And that's when I started actually studying Judaism because I had to talk about it. So then you have to study, right? My point here is that, uh, you know, um, there is no need for Buddhism. Judaism actually has all the things that are virtuous and beneficial in Buddhism. Buddhism is a wonderful tradition and has many, many beneficial things in it. But it's not as if Judaism lacks those very same things. The thing about those things in Judaism is that they have been hidden in plain sight. If you spend a lifetime meditating, and this is Rabbi Lu's story, he spent many years meditating, and all of a sudden he started looking at Judaism, and he found out that there were all these things in Judaism that nobody was emphasizing, nobody was paying attention to. So the thing uh, that's good about, now, now Judaism, the thing about Judaism, Judaism doesn't seem to have this brilliant technique of simple sitting meditation in the same way that Buddhism has it. Probably Judaism did have versions of it, but it's scattered and lost. So at Makoror, we always said, we are borrowing from this very coherent tradition of Jewish meditation, and we're grafting that onto an ordinary garden variety Jewish practice consisting of all the mitzvot that we all understand. And 
the virtue of doing that is that Judaism depends on a real feeling, actual feeling for the divine, for God. It actually is about God, Judaism. <laughs> Who knew, right? I mean, even though it's all over, written everywhere. But the trouble is that in the modern period, most Jews don't have the thoroughness of a Jewish life except for you know people who are ultra-Orthodox, don't have the Jewish life that would bring that sense of the sacred to them because we're all embedded in the secular world. You know, going to shul once in a while doesn't is not enough of a life to bring it to you. So our analysis was that the immediacy and the simplicity of meditation that did not require the Hebrew language, did not require learning, special learning, just sit down and breathe, you can actually get a feeling. If you do it enough, you're going to get a feeling for God in your life. And based on that, all of a sudden, Judaism takes on a new meaning. So that's the part of Buddhism that I think is very, very important. Not that Judaism needs it, but that Jews who don't have access to the fullness of Jewish life probably need it in order to feel Judaism as it's meant to be felt. So I think it's something that really is helpful for uh, Jews who are like me, not terribly strong in their ob observance, or are observant, but without the learning and the, and the depths of spirituality in their observance. I, I do have a friend though, who's an Orthodox Jew, who's strictly observant and also learned, who feels that he, he's a meditator of many, many years standing. And he in fact teaches meditation at Yeshiva University. He feels that even for him, meditation is an important element in his uh, approach to Judaism. So it may be a benefit even to people who uh, have strong observance. But it's that, it's, it's the meditation and the immediacy of the practice that I think is a, is a, is a great benefit. So that's, that answers, I hope, what you were looking for. And, and Chava, were you were wanting to say something again? Yeah. You have to unmute yourself, though. You're on mute. What is it to be a Jew and why are we, you know, and where are we going? And I, I, I really feel that uh, Judaism has always been about the question, you know, what does it mean to be a Jew? I mean, it's no, you know, in, in the Psalms, I actually never used the word Israel. I always translate it literally as those who struggle with God. That's what Israel means, right? So from the very beginning, the... The, the question of how we live and how we engage in this relationship with the divine, it's a question, you know, it's an endless question in Judaism. Judaism is endless questions, right? Always asking, always asking. So yeah, sometimes somebody goes to an ashram to ask that question. Maybe they have to. Maybe it's the only place you can. And there's a million uh, Jews in the ultra-Orthodox community who are like refugees from ashrams and monasteries all over the world. That's why they're in the ultra-Orthodox communities. Yeah, lots of them. Thanks again for listening. And if you love it, share it. Subscribe to jmctx.org.